just like Abraham and the journey that he walked and the journey that he went on. He went on this journey and God was given, showing him a new land. I, wanna, I want you to leave your, your current land, leave your father's land, and I'm gonna show you a new place. No, you don't own it yet, but this is where you're going to be. And, and just like Abraham, we are on this particular journey. And these, this journey is something that we're doing as a church, but I wanna bring this home to you. And this is something we've been doing over the past few weeks in this Abraham series. You could be on a journey. You're most likely on a journey. Now you may say, well, I'm on the journey of life. Yes, we are all on the journey of life. But there are small segments of journeys that we could be on. You could be a journey of, of improving your health. You could be on a journey of improving your finances. It could be a journey of improving your relationships. Maybe you have a strange, and a strange relationship with, with a parent or maybe a fa- other family member or maybe a marriage or whatever that looks like. Maybe you're on a journey to improve that and you realize I can't do this on my own. I need God's help on this. And so whatever journey you're on, God has some principles that we can apply straight from Abraham. And so as we've talked in several weeks, there's a few highlight things I wanna just, just kinda give you and then we're gonna get on to what we have today and, um, uh, and then we're gonna see how we're gonna plug this in. So uh, here's some powerful truths that I have, um, I have picked up while delivering these messages um, on, uh, on Abraham. And uh, the verse is this, the promise or covenant that God wants to make with you takes patience. The, the journey that God has you on takes patience. So be patient with those who are, who are affected by that. Be patient with God and be patient with yourself. The second is this, during this season of patience, when we are tempted to just settle, we are more easily prone for failure. So when, when you are on this journey and you're having to be patient and patient and you're just, uh, let me just settle here, this is good enough, and you're really setting yourself up for failure to even move back further. It's kinda like when you go on those major, major diets, you know, it's like, man, I'ma cut out everything, you know? And then you, uh, a few weeks later, you're like eating the Krispy Kreme again, you know? And then you take a step back, and then you're like, gain more weight than you, you did before. And, but it just takes patience, and during that patient time, you're going to be prone for failure, so you gotta watch out for that. Um, the, the third one, the Lord with perfect knowledge, uh, foreknowledge of Abram's good and bad choices, chose him to become an example of genuine faith. God knew that Abraham was going to fail, and he failed in this lesson when he was in Egypt and said, man, I don't want to be hurt. I don't want these guys to kill me because my, uh, my sexy wife, my foxy wife, my good looking wife. And so, hey, she's my sister. And so he, he did not honor God. He did not trust God would protect him. So he failed in that. And so God knows that you're going to fail during this journey. It's okay. He still wants you to keep walking. Um, we all face famine, just like Abraham did. Uh, famines can provide an opportunity to take your relationship with God deeper. When, when we're on this journey, things can sort of dry up in our life. And, and, and that's okay, because what that does, it allows us to want to draw close to the Lord. And that's God's invitation for you. Another one is this, our default response 
competes with faith so that we trust in ourselves rather than rely upon God to protect and provide for our needs. So our default response when we're in those famine times, when, when things just aren't going well, we want to step in and we have this battle of do I, do I step in and do I do this or do I have faith and trust? Another one is this, there's no such thing as victimless sin, including the sins you keep private. You may sin in secret, but you never sin alone. There are effects for the sins that you and I uh, commit. And so just like Abram, he, there were some uh, effects. There was a victim for his sin. And that victim was his own wife, Sarai. His own wife was affected by that. And so just remember that. Another one is this, while getting close to your destination, remove the distractions, walk Uh, and plan your land and dedicate your land. And so just like Abram, whenever Abram and Lot got together and all of their stuff was just too much, their servants and and all of their livestock and people were getting fights and stuff. And and Abram's like, look, Lot, you go choose where you wanna go. Just let's separate. And so in essence, he removed the distractions and immediately we see in scripture, God started speaking straight to Abraham and releasing more information about the journey. What does that teach us? We've got to remove some distractions in our life for God uh, to speak. And we've got to uh, be able to walk that land. What does that land look like? Plan that. What does your new destination look like? What is your improved finances, health, marriage, relationships, whatever that is? What does that look like? Plan it out. And then finally, for Abram, the real destination was his offspring, or seed, meaning singular. The church represents the stars in the night sky as offspring of faith in Jesus. You know what God said, Abram, now that you're here in the destination, let me tell you what this is really about. It's not just about the land. It's about your offspring, singular. It's about the seed, capital S, Jesus Christ. And that faith in Jesus Christ. Abram, look at the stars. See that? That's your offspring. Who's the offspring? The church. The church believing in Jesus by faith. Yeah, Abram had many, many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And, and we know the song and, and know this, that God, God has something bigger in mind than just your destination. God wants to do great things in your improved area in your life, whatever area that is, because no matter what, people are affected by those positive changes. Your children are affected by the positive changes in your life. You wanna quit smoking. Your children are affected by that positive change in your life. You want to get a better job that, that, that takes away from your family. You, whatever, that, whatever that looks like, your, your destination, it's not about what's good for you, it's about what is good also for those around you. It's about the stars in your life. And so, as we move toward that, God has bigger plans than, than just about your destination. In last week's message, we talked about the consequences of running ahead of God on your journey. Our running ahead doesn't pressure God to hurry his agenda. God is ever in a hurry. You know, Abraham and Sarai, they, they, they freaked out. They're like, man, we're, we're getting old. 
it, we just, we can't have any kids. So Abram, here's my, here's my, my, my servant that, by the way, you picked up in Egypt, thank you. And you can have a child with, with my servant. And we step in ourselves. When we feel like God is just up there, just twiddling his thumbs and not really doing anything, we like to step in t- sometimes and say, all right, God, I can, I can do this. And then uh, we even justify that at times. And so I wanna remind you that don't get ahead of God. When we are patient with God, here's what happens. And what we found out last week, between chapter 16 and 17, we had 13 years, 13 years, Ishmael grew up. Abram and Sarai were still waiting on the Lord. And they, nothing really happened except they were patient and they waited for God. And when we are patient, this is what happens to us as I did with God. God gets real and personal with us to the point where he says, all right, you know me as God. I want you to, I want to be known as something else. I want to be known as whatever that is. For me, I shared last week. In college, I, I, I was doing a study and God was saying, in, in that time of study, I felt like God was for me the God of perfect timing. Who is, who is God to you? What, what is the name of God for you? And we're not talking, I'm talking about God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. But, but sometimes it's good to have that, that, that name for God, like God, my healer. If you've been healed of cancer, God, my healer. Yeah, other people may have that name for God, but that is your name for God because he pulled you out of that. Or maybe that broken relationship. God, my healer. Or maybe he protected you from something. God, my protector. Or you may have multiple names of God, but when you call upon those names of God, it's like, God, yes, I'm listening. It's like there's an instant connection. Not only does he share sort of a a name for himself, but he he can give you a new name. Instead of a a, a warrior, someone who worries all the time, he can give you a new name of warrior. Stop worrying about it and start praying about it. Stop worrying about things and start praying about, praying about these things and stop becoming a warrior, warrior and become a warrior. God will say it much better than me. But what name does God want to give you? My, my, my redeemed, my set free, whatever it is. What name does God want to give you? And then just like he gave in the, in the passage last week, he finally gave a name to, to the journey that, that Abram and Sarai were on. Here, here's, your, here's your name, Isaac. That's the name. That's a boy's name. You're gonna name him that. And so God, just like in our church, God is, is walking us through and and he's going to give a name for this. Right now we have a, a one campaign and, and stuff, but I think it's, it's bigger than that, you know? It's, you know, as we walk in closer in communion with God, he's going to um, give us that name of what that is. 
Has God given your journey a name? Has God given your journey a name? I shared last week with our journey with adoption, God gave us a name of Marion, the girl that we were gonna adopt, all just, we didn't know who she was, but God gave us that name a couple of years even before we adopted. And we began praying for her and then praying for other siblings. We didn't know who she was or she had any brothers or sisters or whatever. But it was, when, when God gave us a name, it's like it became real, it became personal. What name does God wanna give to your situation, to your journey? And in this, and in this journey, there's gonna be hills and valleys. There's gonna be confirmation and calamity. You know, the hills are a good vantage point because you can kind of see what's going on. And in the valleys, things can get a little, things get a little dark. You know, things can get a little bit, okay, what's, what's in this valley? You know, and things, things could sort of fall apart. And so today, um, as, as we're talking through the difference between a, a, a hill and a valley, there's, there's confirmation and there's calamity. God spoke to Abraham about the journey, it, it may have been through audible means, it may have been through visions, through, through dreams, but God spoke to him. God speaks through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and the church, and just like Abraham, God will confirm the journey and the promise to you. God will send people in your life to confirm that you're doing the will of God. Abraham's confirmation came in the form of three visitors. So in Genesis, if we turn there, in Genesis 18, one through five, and you have it on the screen. So these three visitors are confirmation to Abraham and Sarah. One through five, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of memory while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of the tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may uh, all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. And so these, these three figures are basically heavenly beings. And, and, and after research and, and uh, looking through this and studying this, uh, a lot of biblical scholars feel like, okay, the, the three visitors, you had two angels and you had Christ. You had Christ as one of the visitors come down and to speak to Abraham and to share this. And so here's where the confirmation occurs in, in verse 10. It says, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Isn't it great to see confirmation? We love confirmation. We love confirmation. When, whenever uh, Suzanne and I uh, whenever we leave in the morning and I have to take the kids 
to, to school and I'm supposed to make sure that they're getting their lunches made and they're getting dressed and brushing their teeth and making their bed. You know, I try to do that. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I, I don't. And so I'm confessing that today. But Suzanne has to leave a little early. and She works uh, right over here at Emerson Elementary. And so she drives on down. And while I'm getting dressed and stuff, every once in a while, I'll just pick up the phone and do the find my phone and to see where, if she made it there or safe or not. And so I'll see, oh, she made it safe. There's confirmation. And so I love to see that. Now, sometimes we use that to track our children and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're NSA on steroids, you know? But when it comes to just saying, oh, there's confirmation, she's safe, she's there, especially when on a day like this, she's there, she's safe. We love that confirmation. And God gave Abraham confirmation. Not only did it give him a name, but gave him, hey, this time next year, I'm gonna be here and guess what? You're gonna have a son. Just like we talked about last week, you're gonna name him Isaac. And, and as we're talking to people, not only did God tell us, um, give us confirmation there at the beginning of our conversation with the landowners, but even now, God is sharing confirmation with our neighbors. Because I'm gonna be honest with you. Some, there might be some neighbors here visiting with us today, but as we were talking to the neighbors off of 4th Street and 3rd Street and all around who, who are gonna be, li- who live around the, this property, we didn't know what their response would be. We didn't know if they're gonna be like, man, you, we don't want you here and all this stuff. And, and, and as we were getting to know them and talk to them and sharing the vision and give them what, what you have in your hands, giving them this vision, they were excited. They would say things, you know, like, man, I would rather a church there than a neighborhood. I'd rather a church there than an apartment building or a storage building. You know, I'd rather a church there and, 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 and I'm excited about this park and this walking trail and all this stuff. And so everybody we're talking to is just confirming with us that this is the right thing. We love this confirmation. And of course, we, we end that time of praying for them as many of these people that live around there are retired and, and, and the elderly. And so we pray uh, for them. And so what are the confirmations in your life? Maybe you get a good medical report. Maybe that's a good, conf- uh, a good confirmation. Or maybe you're, you get a salary increase. Maybe that's a confirmation of, of, of your journey to improve your finances. Or maybe you have a spouse that's starting to make some positive changes in their life. Maybe that could be you making those positive changes. Obviously, you gotta come together on that. But maybe there's a spouse and there's an estranged marriage situation and maybe they're starting to make some positive changes. There's some confirmation. But let me tell you something. The confirmation always comes after obedience. As we obey God, we are able to have that confirmation. And your confirmation will come, get this, when you think it's too late. When you think it's too late, we see in, in Genesis 18, uh, 10 uh, through 14, we see this. Then one of them said, an angel, and this could be Christ saying this, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. So Sarah is thinking, look, it is too late. It's too late. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. It's too late. I can't have a son past the age of childbearing. When your situation, and you're facing a situation that needs a major improvement, and you're at the point where it is too late, can I tell you something? It's never too late for God. It's never too late for God. Whatever you're facing, it's not too late for God. When you look at whatever you're facing, and you say, it's, it's dead. It's dead. There's no way. That's when God does the best work. That's when great confirmations will come. If you think it's too late in your marriage, you're wrong. If you think it's too late because of bankruptcy or foreclosure, you're wrong. You're actually in the best position when there's no hope and it feels past the time of healing and fixing. You know why? And don't miss this. You know why it's not too late? Because when you feel like it's too late, when there's a dead end, Jesus moves closer. Christ is there with Abraham. Angels are there. They came straight from heaven, put on human skin, and visited Abraham. He's closer to Abraham than ever before, and to Sarah ever before, when they were at their weakest point, when they thought, there's no way. Jesus moves closer. Jesus moves closer. I have some other things to share that I've planned on this message that I'm, I'm actually gonna call it audible because I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us that we need to we need to just rest in this moment because I feel like God is telling some of you it's not too late. It's not too late. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move in. I'm ready to move closer to the situation. Do like Abraham. What did Abraham do? He washed her feet. He prepared a meal. He invited them into his tent. He brought them in to his life. That's how Jesus moves in closer. He's not gonna knock the door down. You'll see him as a visitor in your life, but invite him in to your situation. Invite him into your life. You think it's too late? Your finances, your health, your marriage, whatever the situation is, your journey. You're on a journey and you're tired. You're just tired. You're tired. And you just don't know what to do. You're in the best place right now, because that's when Jesus moves in. 
So the altar is going to be open and the band's going to come up here. And, and what I want to do is I want this time to be a, a, a time where we can bring our needs before God. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, all right, first of all, I need Jesus coming to my life. I need Jesus coming to my heart and be Lord of my life. That could be you. The altar's here. I'm gonna be standing down here and I want you to come to me and say, Frank, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to move into my heart, my life. I need him here in my life. I've never done that and I'm scared. Or if you just need to come up here and pray by yourself, there'll be others who can pray with you as well and, and just know that, that God is here and just invite Jesus to move in closer. Come to the altar. It's open. His arms are open wide and he's ready to reveal great things and he's ready to walk with you. It's, it's not over. It's not a dead end.